0: This is the Design Goggles podcast on BNB Radio. Checking out architecture and design is a pretty good way to keep track of how the world changes. Designers have a unique way of looking at cities, and Seattle is a city that's changing fast. More people are moving here every day, and understanding what's different and what's next has never been more important. So, put on your design goggles and join us in checking out The View. I'm Charles. I'm a designer here at Borden Vellum. I live in the Central District neighborhood, and I've been a Seattleite for two years.
1: And I'm Rachel. I'm a designer here at Borden Vellum. I live in the Old Ballard neighborhood, and I grew up here in Seattle.
0: This week's show is titled, A Total Fabrication. Right now, Seattle is construction crazy. We lead the nation in the number of construction cranes downtown, and small creative projects on every city block seem just as prolific. The less glamorous, smaller projects are what really make up the day-to-day experience of Seattleites. Our restaurants and bars, our homes, our kitchens and living rooms. These projects don't need cranes, but they do need creative makers that approach projects with outside-the-box thinking and a spirit of craft and ingenuity that is a hallmark of the Pacific Northwest. How do the designers of the Pacific Northwest partner with creative makers, artists, and fabricators to bring a vision to life? When working on bars and restaurants, how do we make that experience memorable and nurse the soul of Seattle, perhaps? Back to life after a decade of tech infused upheaval? To help us answer that question and more, we are joined by Mike Marion, founder and owner of Marion Built, a contractor and custom fabrication shop here in Seattle. Mike, thank you so much for making time to sit and chat with us.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: So, usually we ask how long you've been in Seattle, but I know you are a native Seattleite, is that correct? In hey my entire life. Sweet. Okay, oh, wow. Mike was just showing us a tattoo of his. City of Seattle. Is that like the symbol of the city of Seattle? Is that the flag? I don't know. It came on the first bill I ever got from <laughs> City Lights. So That's amazing. Yeah. You may be the only person that was inspired by a bill to get a tattoo. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe not. So what neighborhoods have you lived in and where do you live now?
2: I grew up in Ridge. I have lived in Fremont, Ballard, and Queen Anne, and Georgetown. Now I live in Greenwood.
0: They've hit the corners, kind of. Yeah, I've <laughs> been, cool.
2: yeah, but it's all been a, along the Aurora corridor for one reason or another.
0: Which one did you identify with the most, do you think?
2: At each time of my life, I think I identified with each one of them. I think that that at that point in my life, that was where I wanted to be, and that was what felt most comfortable. So. When I was younger, I lived in a, a big open loft type space in Georgetown. I had like 4,000 square feet. I used to skateboard from the pool table to the bathroom. <laughs> uh, and now it's half of it is a bar. So it was so big. They took half of it and made a bar and half of it and made another restaurant or something. That's so, super cool. But that was like, that, I felt like I, I grasped that... Uh, that kind of movie scene, living a loft like down in the down in the dumps, right? And now that neighborhood is really trendy. And
1: you were like, check. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think it. I got, got that one. Cool. Done. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I
2: also lived. Uh, my wife and I lived on a tugboat too, so I got to add that in. Oh one. wow, where was it, moored? Uh In Magnolia. Cool. And we Airbnb it now. So if you want to experience my life firsthand, you go live on that tugboat. Actually, that's not true. Put yourself in the bottom of the boat and take on a huge project and try to destroy your marriage, and then maybe you'll get a sense of what it's like to live on a tugboat. But if you just want the good parts, just go sit on the back and have a beer. But, yeah. There's is nothing. that the way the Airbnb description is? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. ruin your marriage,
0: yeah. dot, yeah, dot, dot. Yeah. You, you <laughs> and then wanna... there's like a bunch of one-star reviews like, right. my wife
2: and I got divorced. Put your marriage to the test by <laughs> buying a 90-year-old wooden boat and remodeling it.
0: That's so good. Yeah. The next question I have for you is kind of a big one and we were getting into this a little bit before the show. We've only had a couple of Native Seattleites here so a question I always like to like is what has it been like for you watching Seattle evolve, especially, in the last 10 years or so
2: there's almost too much in that question i mean like which part of it mm-hmm. you know like which part has has evolved you know like the amount of people that have come here the amount of construction the opportunity the disappointment i mean there's just so much that has happened to this city in the last just 10 years mm-hmm. and i felt like we started to see it we started to see what was happening You know, big names in the newspaper, Facebook moving here, Adobe, you know, all this stuff. And then the recession hit and construction stopped. Mm -hmm. Like it stopped. I had a couple residential projects. But other than that, I mean, we we weren't doing any commercial, not to say that commercial wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. But then slowly what emerged from that was probably one of my favorite times in Seattle. And I don't Mm -hmm. think I realized that until I just explained that timeline and realized what happened. Restaurants were still making money during that recession. Huh. So a lot of investors that had property were trying to lure people to their property by letting you know, the next top restaurant in.
1: So in my mind, the
2: huge boom of restaurants that happened happened from opportunity. And the opportunity was the landlords giving them decent rent. And I think what you're seeing now is the rents are going up, mm-hmm. wages are going up, and restaurants are having trouble. So they're getting more corporate. And we know what corporate means is less soul and passion and art Yep, but it was a good time and i think you'll find that opportunity again maybe sooner than later i don't know
0: it's funny you mentioned that about restaurants uh i lived in dc prior to here and one of the things that mildly annoyed me about dc is that it seemed like every single restaurant had five locations like all of the neighborhoods started to melt together and feel the same right and i feel like recently if i go to a restaurant and i seem like everybody you know in the back is wearing the t-shirt that belongs to the same kitchen and eight restaurants, it doesn't feel as authentic anymore. And it's a little bit of that same feeling. And I never, I don't know if I didn't notice it before. or I'm noticing it more now, you know.
2: I hate to bring up a Facebook comment, but I I was reading a Facebook comment on a a similar topic. And somebody said, how'd you find one? That's impossible. (laughs) Somebody (laughs) said, all the restaurants are the same now. And they mentioned a couple of restaurants. And then somebody replied and said, hey, actually, those are locally owned. And she said, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. They mm-hmm. all look the same, mm-hmm. and they're not cool. And I was yeah. like, wow, we we did that to ourselves. Like, in 2010, when we were building restaurants, for better or for worse, I kind of steered my business towards what we were doing, which was taking reclaimed materials at the time was super popular. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is they were cheap. So we had restaurant owners coming to us saying, man, use what you got, you know, and we'd go find stuff, and it was fun, and it was great. And I think that when they didn't have the money to pump into their places, that's when they really took on soul. Because when you don't have anything is when you have to improvise, you have to put what what do you have? If you don't have materials, if you don't have money to buy stuff, what do you have? You have your ideas, you have your thoughts, and you have your your art, right? Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. give an artist a pencil and he'll make you something, right? What did John Lennon say? Give me a tube, I'll get something out of it. Yeah. Because right? yeah. I'm an artist, right? And I think what happened was that these restaurants got so popular and they actually started to see a little bit of coin. So then the developers started raising rents. So then what happens now, these restaurants think that they have to put a million dollars into this restaurant. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly the wrong thing to do. And you, I'm not going to name any names, but Red Hook is on Capitol Hill and they tried to build a little brew lab. And it's, yeah, it's not, it's like, it makes
0: no sense. I don't get it. Yeah. I,
2: I, I commend them for the effort. I really do. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Starbucks roastery. Like, you know, get people to come in try to do the craft thing you're lying we mm. all see it and i'm sorry but you're not going to be the craft brewer you know sell out on being a big brewery don't mm. try to come here and pretend like you're rubens yeah <laughs> i mean that's just your name yeah. names and you know like maybe i'm talking smack but you know they deserve it
0: no i'm glad you brought up the brew lab actually i moved into that building uh, when i first moved it's here a great building. and before that moved in there were all these images from the original design of the building where it was going to be this maker's market.
2: Right.
0: Where all I these, every, yeah, everybody was going to have a stall and they were yeah. going to switch out and it was going to be like one of the main entrances of the building yeah. and every day people would come home and stroll through this and market right and all all it was, yeah. And it was so, <laughs> it was so fitting. It was like, right. I, I really thought, cause it's kind of a modern building, but it's yeah. very thoughtful yeah. and it seemed like the perfect crown jewel on that. And yeah. then that, Brew Lab, nothing against it, became the symbol for exactly everything that's kind of gone sideways. The Brew Lab on all success of our best is not plans.
2: contingent on my approval. Mm-hmm. So no, I can, it's not. I, I can should. sit here and say whatever I want about the Brew Lab, <laughs> yeah. and they are going to do. They are. They're, they're going to sink or they're going to sink. They will do just fine. They're gonna, probably going to do just fine. Yeah, but it's a sure. complete falsehood. Yeah. You're not a Brew Lab. You're Red Hook. You might brew a batch of beer, but you know nobody get. That's the thing about these huge corporations. Nobody in that. Realm gets to make decisions, right? You know, they'll have a guy who maybe gets to make a couple of decisions, but he can't come out and make some beer off the cuff. He's gonna have to send it up the ladder, and corporate's gonna have to prove it and all this stuff. Like, I want to make a saison say or something. Oh, I don't, I don't have to figure that out. <laughs> eight months of yeah, right? Of, uh, so, meetings and focus groups and I mean, people go to artists because they can make those decisions faster and mm-hmm. they can push the envelope and mm-hmm. they can do things that other people can't. That's why all these little breweries are so popular, is because they can. They can pop up and do whatever they want. The big lumbering corporations have to take forever to make decisions and talk to a million people and it's just mm-hmm.
0: kind of crap. So what excites you about the boom? Other than not you know, having work, which is always great.
2: I would say the opportunity excites me. I'm excited honestly to see some lesser used parts of Seattle be more utilized. Hmm. I'm excited to see honestly what it brings and this might not be the most popular comment. I'm excited to see if there's a bubble. Mm-hmm. I really am. Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens from that. I'm excited to see if you know everybody flees, and we've been hearing. I mean, Seattle's had signs up in this in the '60s with the last person leaving Seattle, remember to turn out the lights. <laughs> you know, like we get it. Yeah, you know? yeah, but now it's with the last small business leaving Seattle, remember to turn out the lights. You right. know, so there is that element. But I think for people like me. Where else would I go you know I've thought about it my family's thought about it but you know we're here for uh, quite a while so what is that
0: conversation like a little, just I'm so curious we had a conversation how was the last show a couple of shows ago about people who grew up here thinking yeah. about leaving and then simultaneously one of the biggest reasons being and in, in their words that it wasn't their city anymore and right. then I think we brought up the notion that, well, if you leave, it definitely can't be that city again. Right. So how when, when you turn that over in your mind, what kind of thought process do you go through?
2: Personally, I, I work too hard to accept my surroundings. So I'm, I'm constantly trying to improve. I'm constantly trying to get better. Where I'm at is never good enough. I'm not a stable person. I'm a completely unstable, you know, have to push forward, have to keep fighting, have to keep working. That's just how I am. That's who I am. So when I look around and I see that housing prices have gone up, I don't think this sucks. i got to move to Tacoma. I think, man, I'm going to have to work a little bit harder. Right. That's my mindset. Right. I don't concede easy. I hate losing. I hate retreating. Mm-hmm. I mean, they said it in a movie or something. I hate losing more than I want to win. <laughs> so, you know, moving <laughs> you to Tacoma, I, yeah. I love Tacoma. I think right. it's great. It's got a, a bustling little downtown. There's artists moving there. It's, it's amazing. I'm not going to Tacoma. I'm sorry. It's, that's a retreat. Now, somewhere else, another city, completely another region, I would, I would definitely consider. But I just had a little girl. Well, not just. Congratulations. Thank you. 15 months ago. Uh-huh. And now we think about schools. So, right. you know, anywhere I move has to have schools. Like my wife and I drove through Astoria, Oregon, and it's really coming up. I mean, really cool, right? Like little breweries, farmers markets, like nice little stores, organic grocery stores, stuff like that. Where are you gonna send the kid to school? Right. You're not sending the kid to school in Astoria, Oregon. So, you know, to our listeners in Astoria, Oregon, we're yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fix your schools. Uh, <laughs> the opinions of Mike Marion are The opinions of I'm just kidding. Yeah, right. Uh, a lot of people that that I grew up with around here, a lot of people that grew up in Seattle that I know have moved. And some of them have moved to Tacoma. And I think, I hope they're happy. Mm. I want them to be happy where they are. I'm sad they had to leave, but they didn't leave because this is not their city. They left because they couldn't afford it. And that's no fault of theirs. Not everybody can be programmers at Google or whatever. I don't know what these people do. I have no idea. I, I honestly I walk down South Lake Union. It's like walking through a field of robots. They don't look at you, they don't interact, they're just staring at their phones. It's really weird. And you <laughs> yeah. can talk about them. Three three feet away yeah. from them, you can talk about them and they won't even look at you. Yeah. It's incredible. So they think- are so tuned into their screens and their little blinders on. Like
0: but neighborhoods have different personalities and that's okay.
2: Yeah. Okay. Good.
0: But building on that, I will say lived in four, five cities now. And that's the only time that a neighborhood has been so starkly out of character for the rest of the city. It's anywhere it's I've a, lived.
2: There's been multiple articles written on how how can they inject soul into South Lake Union? I mean, I try to tell people they tore it all down. Yeah. There was soul there. Mm-hmm. There were some great buildings. There were some old warehouses where artists could have been. Mm-hmm. the The pattern of Seattle, and this has been since I was a kid, is that Fremont. You know, there was there was industry. The industry moved out because it was a little bit cheaper, or they needed more space. Hopefully they needed more space. The artists move into these old warehouses, and they make the neighborhood cool. Mm -hmm. The guy who's a blacksmith, maybe his girlfriend's a bartender, opens a little bar down the street, right? And that bar is really cool Mm because, again, they don't have the money to do it. So they put their heart and soul into it because that's Mm -hmm. what they do have. As soon as they make this neighborhood cool, the developers come. Mm -hmm. So Fremont was first, and then Ballard, and then Georgetown. There's probably a few in there I'm missing, but that's kind of the pattern that I've seen. Central. Now it's Tacoma. Yep. It's Tacoma down. is going to be really cool, and all the developers are going to go there. You know, so you have to follow the artists yeah. wherever you want to go. And people say, like, transit, buy property where there's transit, buy property where there's artists. You know, mm-hmm. the Show transit so will follow
0: true. the artists. That's so so true mm-hmm. for yeah. sure.
1: Transit will be there 60 years later. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can
0: you can count on it taking a while. Yeah. Right. yeah. It's funny. How you do feel like Tacoma has has some time. Yeah. Because, like, if we're at the apex of things now right. and the cycle's about to turn over, right? I feel like you could probably relax if you just moved to Tacoma. You yeah, don't have to worry right. about it for a little while. Yeah, right. But it does kind of excite me a little bit, at least, to think that if, kind of like you were saying, if there's a bubble, if there's a cycle, now we're going to see what is the new ingenuity going right. to be. Right, yeah. Uh, what's the new resource nobody can get and how are yeah. creative people are going to find that?
2: It's, you can look to, like, you know, being in Seattle, you can kind of look to Portland for maybe some, some ideas on how how they handle things. And certainly San Francisco on, you know, what happens if the growth doesn't stop, Mm -hmm. you know, San Francisco is, is not, I mean, the real estate prices are insane, but they're not climbing, right? Not like they are here, you know, Mm -hmm. so it'll kind of stabilize. And then, and then you'll see what, what's left. I don't know. I, I think the Seattle that's left is, is, uh, what somebody described a long time ago, uh, ago was just a playground for the rich. So.
0: Maybe. I mean, it's funny. Some There was a statistic I read recently, I forget the source, but it was that the neighborhoods that complain the most about Seattle changing are the neighborhoods that have actually literally Changed been left movies. unchanged. Yeah, right. And that there's a handful of neighborhoods that comprises a big portion of the city that hasn't been touched. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's true. And I it's mean, all I mean. like privilege and fear (laughs) basically (laughs) and that the neighborhoods we which which makes it sadder for the neighborhoods that have changed because they're the voices that truly aren't being heard um
2: i would say that i could see that i remember reading an article about a a guy that moved here and he was trying to change zoning in wallingford and all the people that lived in wallingford were against it and Mm On one hand, I see the people living in Wallingford; they want their single-family homes. On the other hand, the other guy's trying to create more housing. I get his aspect mm-hmm. too, you know. Yep. Yep. But you're right; Wallingford would be one of those neighborhoods that I mean hasn't changed that much. Yeah. There's not a ton of apartment buildings that have gone up in Wallingford. Yep. You know, there are maybe you know on 45th and 50th there's a few, but there's still a lot of single-family houses, pretty close to downtown. You know, same
1: with Queen Anne. hmm And that article, I mean. That guy wasn't wrong about trying to change the zoning because one of the things was that literally people that are younger cannot afford to have a single family house in Seattle anymore, right? Yeah, but tough. So, right, but I mean, at the same, on the other side of that coin, how can we maintain the culture of Seattle or the culture of neighborhoods if people that are young can't afford to be there anymore?
2: So my my take on it is, I get it, he's not wrong, but he's saying that people can't afford a single family house in Seattle. I can't afford an apartment in, in, in Brooklyn, whatever, you know, like yeah. there's certain things that you just, that you don't get to go there. I mean, I don't complain that I don't have a house in Broadmoor. I never will. Cause I probably won't, you know? <laughs> so there's just, there's neighborhoods that you're not going to be able to live in and you have to accept that. And as far as density in Seattle, there are still buildings in this city that have boarded up windows. There are still arterial streets that have single family houses that would be way better suited to be four or five story apartments. So when I look at Seattle and I say, oh, this is growing, the, the single most center point that I would say could fix a lot of this is zoning. Mm. Absolutely. You should be incentivizing developers, which is a crazy thought, and no Seattle council member <laughs> is ever going to even listen to it. But the fact is that there's buildings with, with boards over the windows. And I think that all the arterials should be developed. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're best suited. I mean, they ask you in each piece of property, what's the be- uh, best and highest use or whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? And highest and best use would be apartments, yeah. specifically mixed use because with traffic getting worse and with density increasing, you need to have stores that people can walk to. And you have little pockets here, but it's not like Portland. Portland has a million little, you know, commercial districts. I mean, wherever you live in Portland, you can usually walk to a store mm-hmm. wherever you are. You can't walk to a store from, you know, uh, half the neighborhoods in this city. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's so true. You no, know,
0: What I was going to say was in D.C. when they faced the same problem to limited success, they did a lot of horse trading with developers. Developers wanted to come in and build a hotel where they weren't allowed to build a hotel. Mm -hmm. They're like, okay, how many buildings do you want to refurbish? Mm -hmm. Like, how many lots do you want to buy? Right. Landmarked lots and bring them up to code and incorporate those facades into your building. And the more you're willing to do for us, we'll bend our zoning rules a little bit and let you do things that make you more money. But you have to do good for the city. And sometimes they would even landmark, in parts of those deals, they would landmark buildings that weren't even, like, that special. But they would call it contextually relevant, where it was just, it happened to be old, but not pretty. So, like, (laughs) yeah, right.
2: So, like, your building, Seattle said if you leave the facade, you can go up another story. That's not huge. It's not huge. They were trying to leave the soul of the city intact. They did it at uh, Troy Dry Cleaning, too, which is is a great building, and I'm glad they did. But my buddy Jim at Grand Baba calls it facodomy. Leave the facade and build five stories above it. You know, that's That's funny. Yeah, that's funny. So
1: um, it sounds like we're kind of all on the same page here. But just for exploration's sake, we're talking about the soul of the city as being part of the built environment. How how true is that, or how much is it also dependent on the soul of the city being the people that are in the environment? Right. So if we are destroying. What gets some people all mad about taking down these single-family homes on arterials, and we're all like, well, that makes sense. Are we destroying the soul, or are we allowing the soul to continue to exist because now you have more people and more culture that are supporting what will be the evolving soul of the city?
2: I don't have an answer to that. I'm I'm not as involved in civic issues as I would like to be mostly because I'm working all the time. I am not as multicultural as I would like to be mostly because I'm working all the time. Um, I am not as involved in the arts as I'd like to be mostly because I'm working all the time.
0: I would argue that you are involved in the arts because you're working all the time.
2: I I appreciate that. But there are so many people in this city that know so much more about the culture of the people. I can speak Mm. to the built environment. I can speak to like, you know, zoning and buildings and trying to maintain a great built environment around you. But I I can't speak to how many people of color have been forced to move out and how many white males are moved in now. I mean, the statistic I read is that most people that have moved into South Lake Union are white males. Like that doesn't sound cultural, or artistic to me. <laughs> no, that's true. It sounds stuffy. You know? <laughs> yeah that sounds kind of boring. That sounds like Edison bulbs and <laughs> Nagahi booze. Well, and, we've, yeah. and, uh, we've talked a lot
0: about what we what we tore down. Let's talk about what we what we are building.
2: I that's what I I'd, I'd love to get into how yeah. how do you maintain that soul? How do you how do you not commit facodomy? And, and
0: Yeah. And how so, do you
2: actually build something where people want to go, where, right. where people can say like this is part of it? And I get asked that question too by developers like, you know, how do you how do you build something cool? You yeah. Know?
0: And it's funny, a lot of people, they latch onto the cranes as this, this big, scary thing. Oh, my God, so much stuff is being built. But there are a lot, like a ton of projects in the city that are super cool. And they're yeah. doing a, a bunch of different amazing things that you have to hunt for and find that aren't corporate, that are very imaginative. And uh,
2: Seattle's density was low. So the cranes yeah. don't scare me. Right. Cranes cranes are good. Build up, not out. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's what we should be practicing if we're all you know, a wholehearted uh, Democrat city, not saying I am or I'm not. I'm just saying that if, if this is a liberal city, you know, isn't that something that we should preach? Is that let's build up, let's get denser, let's get more efficient. Absolutely. You know, all these things are great, but like you said, what is it that you build? How do you build it? How do you incorporate that art that we are perhaps forcing out? Is it by subsidizing warehouse space where artists can go? Is it by mandating the city did something under Mayor Paul Schell, who's one of my favorite guys in the world who passed away a few years ago, unfortunately. But he was the one who said 10% of public projects has to go to art or 1% mm-hmm. or whatever it was. I don't know. He's put a percentage. And immediately you could see everything being built had a sculpture in front of it, had some art on it. I mean, it was great. I remember they did the, they redid a substation near my house and there's a big uh, statue out in front of it. A lot of people are going to say, why? I'm going to say, why not? Mm-hmm. They're gonna spend that money anyways. And get them to trim the budget. They can find some money <laughs> for a sculpture, you know. Come on. I love that idea of mandating art. I love that idea of forcing people to it's like when you're a kid and you're and your parents make you brush your teeth. You know, I mean, like you have to have art. <laughs> I mean, that's just it. I like you that. have to force them to have art. And how do you do that? How do you how do you give the artists a job? How do you convince developers that art is important how do you inject that art back into your city i don't know i do know that there was another uh, project and this was a while ago but it was built on city property it was a hundred year lease but it had to be leased to artists and i don't know how it went and i'm not saying that it was a success or not i'm just saying that it's an idea that's really cool it was really cool cool. i thought it was great i mean they they got the rents Mm -hmm. you know like i mean but then are you displacing other people? I don't know. I don't know. It's just, there it, it has to be more ideas than what's in my head about this. I'm, I'm open to hearing.
0: Well, I would say what you guys do, Marion Built, is much more artistic than what I see an average run-of-the-mill contractor doing. How do you describe what you guys do? Because actually, when I even write to, went to write the intro, I was like, custom fabrication shop? Are you a contractor? I even like, read some of your marketing material. And I'm um, just interested to hear how you think of... Work you
2: do Well, first of all, I appreciate the compliment, and second of all, your challenge in trying to describe what we do is a challenge that we have <laughs> our, since our existence, and I think that's honestly been more of a detriment than anything else. Because really? yeah, because most people, when they want to hire a plumber, they hire a plumber, when they hire a roofer, they hire a roofer. What do they hire us to do? You know, like we're, we're so ambiguous that it it becomes hard to to market yourself to pitch yourself. So most of our jobs are from people that know us or people that want a specific thing. And that thing is usually intangible. That thing is usually a factor, not an element, right? Mm. It's usually like we want kind of a vibe or a feeling or we want to reuse this material or we want a lot of this kind of material or we want something that hasn't really been figured out 100%, but we know that you guys will figure it out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're that kind of, I don't want to say X factor. That sounds ridiculous, but we, we are kind of that X factor. (laughs) I was like, say it, say it. Who are you you going to get to do this? And we, we, our name comes up, you know, and we try to focus on environments. We try to, I have a business partner who focuses on uh, doing a lot of the woodwork and I do a lot of steel work. He's not a master fine furniture, wood maker. I'm, I'm not a, an amazing metal smith you know we're 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 okay at what we do mm-hmm. we're really good at bringing all the materials together and using them in concert right mm-hmm. so i know better welders than me and i go to them and get stuff built we know better woodworkers we go to them and get stuff built but we get components built for an entire project right so we can come in and put these things together you know and it's honestly it's been fun the last seven years have been some of the best of my life just for the simple fact that we've gotten we've been afforded the opportunity to build some amazing things that I don't think I would have ever dreamed of when before I got into this right Can you give us an example I got to remodel the observatory bar at Smith Tower I mean that is like I mean I got the city of set (laughs) tattooed on my arm and here I am building one of the most iconic buildings and I mean and it was tough, and it was a challenge, and it was the hardest job I've ever done, but in the end, it's like it's the only bar that I have ever built that I want to go back to. I mean, it's just like it's iconic, it's amazing. We got to do a bunch of brass, a bunch of steel, a bunch of stonework. We you know tore that bar apart and rebuilt it inside of three days. Travis and I worked thirty one hours straight. We got there Thursday morning at like five am and left. Friday, midday, the next day, and worked that straight. No naps, no naps. That's no delirious crazy. Mm-hmm. But it was, I mean, it was amazing. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I think that when I was done, and I'm sure that the clients will have complaints about us because, you know, everybody has complaints about everybody. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I think underlying, they, they're happy with what we did because of how we did it. I don't think they could find anybody, first of all, to do that in three days. Second of all, yeah. we did so much of the design ourselves. We made stuff work. We gave it a piece of our soul. And like I, I, I keep going back to this, what does the artist have? That What is the intangible factor that the artist have, has that they put into things? And it's their heart and soul. It's not money. It's not materials. It's, it's not, you know, anything you can buy off the shelf. It's They put themselves into it. And Travis and I put everything we had into that job. We put absolutely every piece of blood, sweat and tear we could into that job. And when we got done, I think the clients recognized it and they appreciated that we weren't just a run of the mill contractor who had buy the book and Mm -hmm. yeah, we can do this or no, we can't. I mean, we took one of the, they're redoing all the elevators. So they had this old accordion Hmm. elevator gate. We took it, cut it in half. And made it for the back bar, so it locks up all the booze. You know, Hmm. I mean, like yeah, yeah, I remember seeing that image. Yeah, who would super cool? Who would you go to to do that? I don't want (laughs) to be be too arrogant. I'm a confident man, but I'm also cognizant (laughs) of my, uh, you know, my limits here. But who would you? (laughs) Who would you go to to to, to do that? You'd go to, and I'm not saying I'm the only one. I'm saying you would go to one of the smaller custom metal people in Seattle. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't go to one of the huge shops because there'd be too many people to try and figure it out. You'd have to go to a small owner operator. Mm -hmm. You know, the NPR did a story about the Fenpro building where there's. there was a lot of artists there, and unfortunately, they had to—they I mean they had to sell the building. They sold the building, and fortunately, what what was built there is the Nordic Heritage Museum. Huh. But anyway, before that, all they left, they went and interviewed all the artists there, and NPR said that there's more owner-operator small businesses. There are more people than in Seattle doing that than Boeing employees statewide. Wow! Wow! That was one of the most incredible statistics I ever heard. In wow. the Seattle city limits, there's more owner-operator artists, small craftsmen, woodworkers, steel workers, everything, than Boeing employees statewide. That's flight.
0: crazy. Amazing. I was, Amazing. Blown, I was yeah. blown away by that. So,
2: yeah. you know, when you hear all this business about big business and jobs and stuff like that, we're I don't feel like there's—I'm not saying to discredit those people. They create jobs I, I love. I'm a, I'm a corporatist. Call me what you want. But we should be focusing much more attention on these small makers, on these small craftsmen. They produce a heck of a lot of soul for our city. They employ people. They make our city what it is, and I don't feel like they get enough support. And I'm not talking about myself. I'm doing fine. I'm talking about all the people like me that maybe didn't get the break that I did, mm-hmm. You know, didn't get the chance to have a video made on them or being, we were in the newspaper. I mean, how do we get in the newspaper? I don't know, but we were, I mean, it's just crazy. We went on this whirlwind because we, you know, we kind of saw the market and tried to adapt to it. And we did, we did pretty well for a little while, but there's so many people out there that are quite frankly better at what they do than I am. And I think that they, they deserve their shot too. And how do you get more business to more of these people? And I think that goes back to how do you, Build the soul of the city. I think we have to find a way to support these artists. We have to find a way to support the small people that are creating, that are putting their heart and soul into it.
0: It's funny. It's challenging to connect to them. You would think it would be easier, but I feel like in a lot of our projects, Rachel, we get to that moment and we're just like, I can't even, I don't even know where to start to find the right match right. for this particular right. thing. Maybe that's yeah. something we all I could going to do. do it.
2: <laughs> i'm gonna have a huge party yeah. in my shop I'm yeah, gonna yeah every you should. little maker i know you should yeah every and not little, invite a not bunch more, of designers <laughs> well, i only want the little ones sorry. <laughs> right but uh
0: <laughs> yeah and then invite all like a bunch yeah. of local designers yeah. and architects let's and, do it and, because i'm serious like we don't there's no market there's no like place you can let's go let's have
2: a business card fest totally people can bring tote bags and get all the business cards <laughs> everybody
0: and everybody no
2: i think that would be but cool. just
0: like talk design and relax and just Find out what people are interested in doing right. because we don't. It's not like we're looking for like, oh, let's match this skill set with this particular right. architectural issue we're having. Right, right, it's right, just right. like who would be as passionate about this thing yeah. as we are. Right. That's what. That's what most designers. Really it's just beneficial
2: want. to designers and and architects and developers too because a lot of those small people and we did it too. We were willing to do stuff for pretty cheap just to just to get a reputation. Mm-hmm. Just get, and you know what? You have to. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Know, you have to. I would just ask, and we haven't been as fortunate with some as some others. That once they do that, solid for you, <laughs> then you, including when the good budget comes around too. Yes, you know. I of mean, course. get these guys what they deserve, which is you know the fruits of their labor. The okay. in the next step, you know, stick with them, you know. But but yeah, I think the first step is connecting, right? How do we connect? Let's get them connected. Let's do it. We'll throw yeah. a big party. Let's because it, it seems like place.
0: yeah, yeah. Because you, I mean, obviously you're. Charismatic, your personality. Not everybody has that skill set, but they right. do have the skills to do the job. Right, and so that doesn't come naturally to everybody. No, it and I feel like our our system in general only benefits those of us who naturally reach out. Yeah. It's not work for us right. to like do a podcast or for you to get videos right. made and put yourself out there. There's doesn't a lot come of people easy.
2: that are the opposite of me that yeah. have more talent than the gift of and we, <laughs> should, we should be giving them the opportunity too. you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I love that idea.
0: <laughs> uh, so when you enter into a project, because you're a lot more collaborative, I, th- I would think that you're a typical contractor who might prefer mm-hmm. like, hey, you draw it and I'll build it. Mm-hmm. Do you ever come into a project and there's all these details and then you're just like, oh this this is gonna be like
2: Yeah, I throw them out the window. Because a lot of
0: contractors are like they're calmed by that. They're like, oh, okay, well yeah, all right. the responsibility isn't ours. Exactly,
2: because they don't want the and don't we're want the risk. and
0: well, they love that. Yeah. But tell me a little bit about what that, what that experience might be like for you when you see those drawings.
2: It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I take on way more than I should. I should just go, you design it and I'll build it, but I don't. I love collaborating. I love collaborating with designers and artists and, and, and owners of the project. I love it. I don't so much like collaborating with similar trades but just because everybody has their own opinion on how to do things. Right. And I've said from, you know, a long time ago, it's not so much important it gets done my way. It's just important it gets done somebody's way. Mm-hmm. Right? So when somebody comes to me with a project and has these things, like, if you're asking me to do it, ask me to do it. If you're not, tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. But don't go in between. I don't want to. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to work with anybody. I want to either do it myself or I want to be told what to do. But as far as designers and architects go, I love it. You know, show me the intent. Show me what you want. I'll figure out how to make it happen. And honestly, that's, I mean, it, I'm i am joking when I say it's been terrible, but it it's not great sometimes <laughs> yeah. to be the go-to guy. That, and, you know, we don't, we have not in the past been good about charging for that design time, right? Yeah, interesting. So people will say like, we I want, would assume that we that want would be movable louvers. <laughs> yeah. Who said that, Mike? I don't <laughs> know what you said. What are you What are you talking about? <laughs> and then I was like, Oh great, how's it work? You figure it out. Like, okay. Yeah. So so then I run into, and this happens a lot in business. And this mm-hmm. is like, you know, the lesson to some of the other people is that we don't do the whole bid it and then ask for plans. We bid what it's going to take to figure it out to make it happen. Whatever. Yeah. And sorry. a lot of other people are, are they don't bid that in. Right? So they'll bid something and then they'll come back and say, well, how do we do it? And like, well, you gave us a price, right? So we have to bid for it. We have to bill for that design time. We have to figure it into our budget. So I think now we're at a point where we have a reputation that is, hey, these guys will figure it out. Yep. And a lot of people hire us before they see the price, honestly. And that's just a decision that they've made. They, they want yeah, well, this. The- they've decided that we're the guys to do it. They come to our shop. They see our shop. And they go, okay. We're gonna have you do yeah,
0: it. Yeah. Because the well the confidence that they'll figure it out by the appointed date and time right. somehow. Yeah. And, and it's that's in their worth budget. and that's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. That's certainly. They might
2: save a couple bucks if they went to somebody else, but they're gonna they're gonna gain a headache. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas with us, if we can stay in their budget and we can get it done, you know, they're they're fairly hands off and I think people like
1: that. You know, I think this is part of sort of the bigger conversation about what is design. I was having a conversation the other day about this and Design is one of those subjects that people get really, I don't know, prickly or touchy about, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. a lot of it are the designers that like right. it's really them. Um but then there's I think there's just a colossal misunderstanding about what design is because everything that you're talking about and and your whole you know nobody would you know, spend thirty hours straight working on a thing if you weren't
2: Emotionally invested, emotionally invested mm-hmm, in designing right.
1: it as you build it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, and and so uh, the conversation I had the other day, we were talking about digital stuff, and and like where is the line between you know people that are writing code and the people that are so you know supposedly designing what that's going to look like, and it, there's this massive misunderstanding about writing code because if you're writing it well. You're all you're a designer, mm-hmm. right? right? And it's yeah. the same thing with construction, right? If you're yeah, if you're doing it well, it's because you're designing it, right?
2: I pre- yeah, I think that's a I think that's a great compliment to give somebody that, that's building something. I mean, I see your point when designers are designing together. You, I mean, that back and forth has got to be terrible. <laughs> we <laughs> wouldn't know anything about that.
1: Designers are their own worst enemy. <laughs> yeah, sure, for sure. Yeah.
2: So same with me working with people who do similar work to myself. Mm-hmm. Which mm. is why I choose to just do it myself, right? Mm-hmm. Design, I'm, I can take all the input in the world. I'm not picking paint colors. I got three colors black, white, and gray.
1: No, but see, now I would say that that's not design, that's decorating, right? Oh. So this is other. This other so I'm a decorator. What? No, 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 <laughs> no. no, no. Yeah. Calm down. Wait, 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 wait. wait, wait.
0: Calm down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Two angry white men yeah. in the room now, Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, Uncurl those panties a little bit.
1: <laughs> to bring it back to, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll step back to a, a, little, a safe zone no. of tech stuff again, okay?
0: <laughs> Rachel's like, like, go, like go, go to what you know. Go yeah. to what you know. Yeah. Go no. back in the corner. Get your hands up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually popping my mic. That never happens. Um, <laughs> uh, the, let's say web designer versus web developer, right? Yeah. A web designer <laughs> so often is really a web decorator. Oh, In my opinion. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Right. Yeah. Whereas if you're really doing it properly, you're not. So it's it's like if you're if all you're doing is like, ah, I want the wall to be blue. Yeah. That's, it's it's just, cake, like yeah, just like you're just like. You're cake decorating. Yeah, I feel, mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: If you're, you're right. really designing you're right.
1: it, there's some thought behind it. And you have you're an right. argument and a reason and yeah. whole infrastructure to your system. Right.
2: It's like when you talk about the designer and the what was it the designer and the developer, yeah. right? The first thing I thought of was like, yeah, I can speak Italian, but I'm not singing the opera, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, one one is one, one is nuts and bolts, and the other yeah. is the art that you can do with those mm-hmm. nuts and bolts. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But you it's can funny. know
1: how to do something, Right. Yeah. but you, it takes a whole lot more to know how to do something well.
2: Yeah.
0: But not to get mega esoteric, but another interpretation of what you were saying is essentially really similar to like during the modern art revolution, the reason why museums were white and designers wore all black is because they didn't want to do anything that would take away from intentional sure. design yeah, right they wanted it to be as neutral as possible so when yeah. that an artist or designer was telling a story or sending a message yeah. or making a statement that was the yeah. only statement that was made
2: okay so imagine Seattle is completely white right now and all the people <laughs> <are> wearing black <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: what would the do statement you make the
0: statement? Well, I mean, we're doing a lot of that. The funny thing is, what Seattle is a very not neutral. Seattle is a very not neutral place. Like, I your,
2: agree. Your designs are great. I, I, <laughs> no, no, I'm no, serious. I love seeing them. I love building them. I really do. It's very I insane. love what I build. I love yeah, yeah. my work at the Smith Tower. We're not doing a good enough job. Let's be honest. I, no, I completely until agree. people until people until people stop me on the street and tell me that they just threw up after dinner because they couldn't handle the design. <laughs> like I'm not doing a great job. <laughs> I want to do a good job, then I don't even think we're doing that. Right. I think we're doing okay. Well, yeah. I think like, we're doing great by our clients. Yeah. I think we're building amazing interior spaces. I don't think we're drawing the crowds in. I don't think we're being given enough freedom to by the developers, by the corporations. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that really what Seattle has to offer is right now going beyond uh, a great play, which is amazing, Um, an independent film, which is amazing, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and then restaurants. Yeah. Like, give me a freaking break. Like, what is there to do in this city?
0: The the boom has caused developers to drive the design story. Right. Which is like having a monkey drive a race car. Yes. I'm sorry if you're a developer out there. I'm sure you're wonderful. If you're a
2: developer, you need to do a better job. Yeah,
0: but. (laughs) I just admitted that I need to do a better job. You need to fess up too. (laughs) But it's true. It's that they know the market is so crazy that they can build anything. Anything. And people will buy it. And architects... Try. It's funny. We have this phrase sometimes that we say, do no harm. <laughs> sometimes right. where it's like, yeah, it's like it, sometimes yeah. you're just like, how can I just make this? Yeah. If I can
2: yeah. stretch to get it to neutral. Cool. How many houses for sale? New construction in Kirkland right now? Uh, or anything yeah. other than white? Yeah. Modern farmhouse. And it's very and frustrating. And so it's, it kind of it goes was back a to the. great look when nobody was doing it. Now <laughs> <right>. it sucks.
0: <laughs> and when you it, wore it out. <laughs> it goes back to what you were saying before about being excited for the bubble. Yeah. Because, like, after that bubble, yeah. the developers aren't in the driver's seat right. anymore. All of a sudden, people are really going to start paying attention to what makes them happy, what brings them joy when they walk yeah. down a street. Right. Let's really think about that again because we have the time. And. It's gonna I be have, it's gonna be interesting.
2: I have a couple developers right now that have uh, consulted me about how to how to make their space better than the next guy, which I love. I love competition. It's like my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. Especially when developers start competing against themselves, right? That's the best. It's <laughs> like, yeah, you got this guy here, <laughs> yeah. You're spending it's more money. So than you, true. Right? You're it's more so true. It's the best. You know, see what they, blah 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 partners did? The, the, oh the, the problem, their eyes go red. I know. The <laughs> the problem with it is that they're going back to their own their old tricks, mm-hmm. and this I actually won't name any names, but they're going to this guy or that gal because they're a dynamo with restaurants, and they know it's going to be great. Is it? You know. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to compete with the next guy, but they're they're not. Uh, it's like a guy that races vintage race cars. I know he's you're not competing. You're just com- you're just trying to better yourself.
0: One-upsmanship right? is also not.
2: It's not, a great way. it's not yeah. creativity. It's not creativity. So yeah. when you race vintage race cars, nobody's pulling up next to you in the same 1956 Ferrari. You know what I mean? So yeah, there's, yeah. You, there's no, there's nobody to gauge yourself against. Yeah. There's yeah. only your own time. Yeah. So when you're a developer, you should stop thinking about what the next Beat guy's doing. it's your own time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Better yourself. That's a great analogy.
2: Let's do. Let's see what you can do. Let's see what you can knock out of the park. And most of the time, these corporations, again, they move so slow. Mm-hmm. They're big and cumbersome. It takes a million people to make a decision. They're not going to come down and say, let's, you know, do this for the floor or this, you know, something crazy. They're not going to have the. So it's up to us to, to keep trying to push these great, you know, ideas and great designs that we know in our hearts is going to be great. We know mm-hmm. that people are going to respond to, but they keep playing the safe bet. And that's also a huge problem with the pricing going up so high is that most of these developers, most of these investors are huge pension funds. And they don't take risks. Yeah, that's also true. They want the safe bet. So you can tell them up and down that more people are going to like this. But if they know that the safe bet is that white Kirkland farmhouse sort of thing for a building, they're going to go that route.
0: You know, it's funny. I do see, though, and actually this is a future show we're thinking about doing about development. There is a a turning point coming. hopefully. A lot of developers are starting to realize that they have real ethical choices. Mm -hmm. Um, that sometimes choosing to make a little bit bit less money to do a whole lot more good Mm -hmm. is a real option that they should be taking advantage of. And I I hope that when things shift a little bit, developers will start to make more responsible decisions. I do see a little bit of it down in Central District. There's a couple of developers finally realizing, oh, maybe we shouldn't just be like... Right. raising everything to the ground and right.
2: changing the complexion of neighborhoods right. overnight. And, or a story uh, yesterday. Yeah. The day after the showbox turns 79, developers announced they're going to tear it down.
0: Yeah. <laughs> jeez, yeah. i mean, i to kick that. that
2: guy in the teeth, man. I'm telling yeah. you. It's like terrible. Like, I don't care who you are as a developer. Yeah. Do something about it. Yeah. You weren't here long enough to experience Sunset Bowl in Boward, but iconic Sunset. I hear Bowl.
0: stories about it. Yeah. Oh, you
2: still hear stories. Mm-hmm. My neighbor in Greenwood was the bartender, and I remember her serving me when I was like 19 years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like it's crazy. It's old Sunset Bowl, right? Yeah. The developers came in, tore it down, built a building, put a bunch of bowling pins and crap in the hallway, and like pictures of bowling lanes. But really, what would have happened if the city said, "Hey, we want this business to stay here. What what can we do to convince you to put a bowling alley in the and bowling alleys don't have windows? Put it in the basement." Yeah, it could have done right. anything, anything. Yeah. So, uh, what what would the city have had Is it Two more stories? Mm-hmm. What would it take? How could we how could we keep Sunset Bowl there? How can we build four hundred and forty four units on top of the showbox? Don't tell me it can't be done. I mean, no you got volunteers, we'll take, it, we'll take it apart piece by piece and put it back together and yeah. we build a building. We built buildings above an entire highway. Right.
0: We, we dug a tunnel Where under the viaduct. We can the seriously, yeah. building I mean, a building above on. the Sunset Bowl. We sent a, a guy
2: been. to the moon <laughs> with a computer less powerful than my smartphone. It yeah. <laughs> took up the size <laughs> of a building. Yeah. It's so you know, true. 50 yeah. years ago. It's like, so true. Let's figure out.
1: You know that about how you name a like new suburban subdivision? Like Fox Hollow, or, yeah, 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 yeah. You you name it after the two things that you destroyed the moment that you went. That's oh hilarious.
2: no! Vital <laughs> <riddle laughs> trails. Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, think be like, oh, that's
2: hilarious. Bear, <laughs> Bear <laughs> Creek.
1: <Yeah>. Oh <laughs> no! no. And they put the creek underground. Right? right? Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh Fox no! Fox Prairie.
2: That's hilarious. That's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> now, I think I think that I think we come away with this with two missions. Number one, we got to connect these artists with the developers, with the designers. We got to connect the designers with the developers. Mm-hmm. I know all of them. Not every one of them, mm-hmm. but I know a lot of each one of those categories. We could get them all together. I don't know how successful it'll be, but I'll bring the beer.
0: Doesn't matter. We could right. just hang out and that's have fun. Right. And, Why not? And that's all it takes. Yeah. 'Cause they're just second, having a conversation about what are you interested in doing. I don't know, what are you interested
2: in doing? The second thing is how do we get Seattle to incentivize developers to keep iconic places. Yep. How do you tell I mean it's, if I feel like they, the city is a facade for one more story I mean you've seen what it takes it's a I mean it's a monumental effort they got to brace it up and they got to tie it oh it's I mean, huge you yeah. have to
0: give them more incentive than one story it's just well, I'm just saying. yeah, yeah exactly that's so just how is, it is, is it two stories? it's like you got to make way more money plus right. you know when stuff gets landmarked you have to maintain it there's things you have to do every two years yeah, every four right. years people don't realize that you can't lose money on a building. Like right, that's, yeah. that's that's just, just not, not happen. it's not yeah. non starter. I feel daunting. like it's so binary. Everybody thinks in politics in terms of no, we're just not going to allow you to do that right, or yeah. yes, you can do that. Yeah. It's it's the best thing we've ever. People heard. think more, yeah. When <laughs> yeah. people
2: talk about development and politics, they think morally. And that's wrong. Right. You have to think fiscally. Mm-hmm. Because the developers are the ones with the money and they're the ones pushing it. It would be great if they didn't come here, but you probably wouldn't have a job
0: either. <laughs> that's also true. They wouldn't be eating at your restaurant. Yeah. They wouldn't be right. needing your... I mean, you, you, know.
2: you, you have to have both. Seattle's a, a great city. It's a great place to live. It always has been. It has its challenges. We're all not stoked about everything that's happening, but there is a lot to be happy about, and there's a lot of opportunity. There's also a lot of room for us to improve it. There's also a lot of room for us to demand that the city, you know, ask the developer. What would it take to keep the show box in that building? For sure. Why don't you just ask him? No, seriously. I mean, yeah, yeah. What if he says a hundred more units? Is that one more story? Two more stories? It's not that big of a deal. Really, really isn't in the end. And yeah, yeah and they, where they built Sunset Bowl, they built five stories. What, what if it was six or seven? What, is it going to ruin people's view? I mean, is it once it's five stories? I mean, come on. You know, go up another two. Who yeah. cares? Preach to the choir. Yeah,
0: totally. We're almost out of time, but I want to ask you one more question I like to ask a lot of our creative guests, yeah. which is, uh, even though it sounds like the Smith Tower Bar is an incredible project, what would be your dream project?
1: Uh, <laughs> Wait, it's, uh, it's an old tugboat. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, uh, that was my dream. It was my nightmare.
2: <laughs> Quite honestly, and I've I've been talking about this lately, My business has evolved over the years. I started construction when I was a tyke. I got pictures of me on job sites when I was three years old. I've never done anything else. I'm not going to do anything else. I can do everything from running equipment to welding the steel rings that go inside the house. Like, I've just been soaking it all in because it's been a desire of mine to know how to do it all. Again, I'm not the best at everything, but I bring it all together. I have been evolving what I've been doing since I started. Got my first contractor's license in 2005, built some houses, market crashed, lost a bunch of money, started building furniture, started building restaurants because pretty soon our FF&E budget for the restaurant was almost as much as the entire build-out, right? So then we are licensed general contractors. Yeah, just do the whole thing. Yeah, we can do that. So then we started building entire restaurants. And now we're doing our own development projects. And my biggest goal now is to get more into development and be somewhat a developer when I can get to a more stable point where I'm not working so much, my ideal task in life is going to be putting my efforts into public parks in Seattle. I want to build elements in public parks. I want people to experience design and experience elements without paying it for a $20 martini. Yeah. Right. Yep. I mean, this is city of Seattle property. It should be littered with city of Seattle citizen contributions it should be littered with our design. It should be a place where we can go and congregate, and commune, and do things. And maybe having a kid really opened my eyes to that because I'm spending more time in parks. So you asked me like, what's my ideal job? Build another waiting pool at Green Lake.
0: No, yeah. that's awesome to hear. That's what I want to okay. do. Citizen I wanna, developers. I want. Yeah.
2: I want to petition the city of Seattle to let us design, come up with funding, and build a spot in, in Green Lake, how much is it going to cost? Don't worry about it. We'll find the funding and I'll raise the money awesome. or give us some of your budget. You're just wasting it anyways. On that
0: note, we're out of time, but thank you so much for coming. This was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Great thank chat. You for having me. Our next night school event will be right around the corner. So keep a lookout on social media for that. It will be held here at Board of on 15th Avenue in Capitol Hill. Check us out on Instagram and Twitter or the blog on boredombellum.com. There's always super cool stuff being posted there every day. And as always, please stop on by anytime for a chat with us. We would love to have you. Thank you again, and we'll see you all in a few weeks.